We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. You're listening to Around the Dial, your one-stop shop for sports talk's best moments every day. Here's your host, CBS Sports Radio's Damon Amendolara. Welcome inside Around the Dial, the best in your sports talk for Tuesday, April the 30th. I'm your host, D.A., and in the NBA playoffs, the Rockets of the Warriors have been taken to another level. Game one goes to the Warriors in dramatic fashion. There's a game-tying three-pointer by James Harden. Falls no good, but Harden insists he was fouled to the play. And then in the ensuing scrum, Chris Paul... Technical gets ejected from the game of the waning seconds. So the Rockets unhappy with the officiating. And in the wake of that, issued a memo, released a memo, leaked a memo, where they went back and audited last year's Game 7 of the Western Finals against the Warriors and came up with a ton of points that they felt they were robbed by from the officials that would have swung the game the other way. Sour grapes for the Houston Rockets? Are the Rockets consumed by the refs? Here's Mad Radio, Sports Radio, 610 in Houston. I don't like this. I don't like it at all. Even if it's a valid report, I don't, it's it's gotten so damn nerdy. I, I just, it's so nerdy. I, and that's all it is to it. Like, this is, it's ruining the sport. It's there's complaining about officials, and then there's doing like a scientific takedown of how you're getting screwed by officials in a game in which you missed 27 three pointers in a row. I don't. Am I? I you missed 27 three pointers in a row, and I'm supposed to sit here and look at the expected points outcome if if fouls that in the report they say couldn't have been determined in real time. This is only with a lot of these fouls that they're these these fouls that they're hypothetically claiming in the report could only be ascertained by multiple angles in slow motion review. So they're very hard to call right, in yeah. live action. It's not even saying that like in real time any human official could have actually made these calls. Um not to mention the whole butterfly effect of like, okay, if you know, if you had actually had a couple of threes in the first quarter, how does that necessarily affect the net score at the end of the game? You know how these things work. Anything can go a hundred thousand different ways. Um and it's, and it's and it's one damn game too. If I had seen the entire seven game series, perhaps then or then then tell me how the officials affected all of that. I would think the Rockets of all people would know that's a small sample size. That one game is small sample size. Did the Rockets win one of the other three games with an advantage from the officials? I don't I don't like any of this. I think I think it paints the city in a bad light. I think it's I think it paints the organization in a bad light. Do you guys realize what's happening right now? Do you guys realize what's happening? What's happening is somehow the Rockets are actually are, are actually making the Warriors likable, which is stunning. That, I don't that's, know. That's, that's that's what's happening right now. People are looking at the Rockets like the whiners and the complainers. And what I'm also wondering is this: What happens if they lose tonight? Do we all go into hiding? 
What happens if they lose tonight? Do we all go into hiding if they lose this game tonight? Well, because no, I mean, based on based on all this talk and all this chatter, they have to win for their honor well, tonight. But, yeah, but I don't like I don't care if the Warriors are likable or unlikable. Plus, I don't think anybody like and, and everybody knows Steve Kerr's full of crap. The answer to the question: Are the Rockets consumed by the refs? Is a definitive yes, yes, no doubt they are consumed. And they're consumed by them because they have gotten the advantage of the refs this season. They have figured out an art form of drawing fouls on jump shots and three-point attempts, and they have utilized this as a major weapon in their arsenal. And if the refs do not call it the way that they were calling it over the course of the regular season, the Rockets are not mentally strong enough to be able to withstand that. The Rockets have to get out of their own head. And I don't mind... All of the kvetching about the officials because this has happened forever in NBA history. What I'm bothered by is if the players, the coach, and the organization allows that to let them have an excuse to lose. In Philadelphia, they're celebrating because the Sixers went on the road and got a big-time win in Toronto against the Raptors led by Jimmy Butler on a night where Joel Embiid had stomach issues and did not play all that effectively, Butler saved the bacon for the Philadelphia 76ers. Former Sixers GM Billy King joined Angelo Cataldi on WIP in Philadelphia. Did he expect the Butler to do it? I'm looking at it, and, and we got Embiid with a bad stomach, and he didn't have a great game. And Jimmy Butler takes a step forward and and really takes over the game. And I'm wondering, Billy, did you expect to see that? You know Butler pretty well. Uh, tell us a little bit about your impressions of Butler and his ability to raise his game at key moments. Well, I think Jimmy has been trying to fill this team out all year. Like a lot of times in the games, he'll stand back and don't do a lot, and then in the fourth quarter, try you know he'll assert himself. And I knew I had a feeling he was, and didn't know if he's going to play well, but I knew he was going to take some shots and be aggressive going into this game too because. Yeah, he understands if you go down 0-2, even if you're coming home, it's it's tough to overcome. So I expected him to be as aggressive as he as he you know in this game more so than he was in game one. You know, the one thing about this game also is I think their three guys, Lowry, Siakam, and uh, Leonard, they had 77 points and they didn't shoot the ball well. And the Sixers won the game. And I've been listening to all the people you know calling in negative, but Joel hasn't had a really good game in this whole series, and they still figured out a way to win this game. Right. And so you expect him to play much better coming home. So uh, there should be more upbeat than, than a lot of negativity calling in. All right, but Jim, Bill, uh, is, Billy, is it possible that Gasol has his number and we're going to have to deal with this situation throughout the series? No, I, I think he'll figure it out. I think he will. Um, and, and that's something, you know, watching film, having two days off, you know, the last game was one day between. I think he'll figure it out. I'm not too worried about uh, Joel and uh, against Gasol. I think it's every making it like it's Gasol and look at his numbers for playing in Memphis. I think you'll see him have a much better game in Game Three, uh, where we just need we need Jimmy to be this aggressive along with Joel, and I think that'll make it easy. If we can get Jimmy playing this aggressive, they're not that 30 points, but be this aggressive, and then Joel give us his normal game. I think you'll see a much easier win by the Sixers. Butler was awesome. And on a team that's clearly run by its superstars, Embiid and Simmons and Butler and Tobias Harris, they're going to go as far as those superstars can take them. And there's always been a question mark about how consistent they can be when they're that reliant on so many different personalities and players. 
But in this game, in a big spot, the Sixers got a split because one of their superstars was down. Really, two of them. Ben Simmons didn't play all that well. And another one picked him up, that being Jimmy Butler. Speaking of the best players of the NBA, Kevin Durant might right now be there. His postseason has been scintillating at this point in time. He just killed the Clippers when it mattered most of the first round. And the Warriors have a game one victory after Steph and Klay Thompson weren't feeling their best. Has Kevin Durant become the best player in the NBA this postseason? Here's Brendan Haywood, longtime NBA veteran, who joined Gary Parish in 92.9 in Memphis. Why do you think Kevin Durant is now that guy? I think obviously you look at LeBron and he took a step back this year from his defensive intensity. What made him good was that he played both sides of the ball. And so this year, I think his lack of defense is honestly one of the main reasons why the Lakers didn't make the playoffs. Flip that with what KD has done all year long and then how he has stepped it up in the playoffs. And when it's been big-time games and they've needed them, KD has risen, taken his game to the next level. And you just hear Patrick Beverly and Lou Lou Williams in that interview when they were talking about Kevin Durant. They said, listen, man, sometimes special players make special plays, and we couldn't do anything with that guy. NBA players are full of pride, Gary. Right. So when, they, when, when NBA players, after you beat them, not just in a game, but you beat them and send them home, when they just get up on the mic and just say, listen, we couldn't do anything with that guy, that lets you know how next level KD is. He continued that performance with another great game one, how he was able to take over down the stretch. And when I just look at the collective efforts for what Kevin has been doing the last couple of years, two finals MVPs, hitting the biggest shots in LeBron James's face. Now that LeBron is taking a step back, and I see KD taking steps forward, we have to admit that he is the best. And I know some people want to say, well, maybe it's Harden or maybe it's Giannis because they might get the MVP this year, but Harden shooting 37% in the playoffs. Giannis, you, his, his, I'm not going to say he got exposed, but you saw in game one against Boston – He's going to have some work to do as far as filling out his game, being more complete, if he's going to want to take his game to the next level, too. So I think Kevin Durant right now is his time. The torch has been passed. So, so every, you know, you have Mike pass it to Kobe, then Kobe passes LeBron. LeBron's been running with it for like 10 years, and now LeBron's being forced to pass that torch on to Kevin Durant. It's his time to run with that torch. He's the best player in the league. The point you make about Patrick Beverly and Lou Williams I, I, I thought was excellent. I talked about it in the opening segment. Just contrast it to – after Damian Lillard did to um, Oklahoma City what he did. Even Paul George could not just say, what are you going to do? He was like, that's a bad shot. He tried to be dismissive or at least discount what the guy on the other side did because, like you say, NBA players have pride. They don't want to acknowledge there's nothing you can do about the guy in front of you. And yet you've got those two guys, Beverly and Williams, just shrugging their shoulders and explaining in great detail there is nothing you can do with Kevin Durant when he gets going like that. Was there anybody you played against in those 14 years where you felt that way about? Whether you stated it publicly or not, there's just when this guy gets going, there's nothing I can do. Well, when, when I was playing, it was Kobe Bryant. Okay. When, you, when this guy got going, there's nothing you could do. Uh, Kobe Bryant was one of the few people that the scout, there was no scouting report. You, didn't send them, you couldn't send them left or send them right or force him to shoot. Once he got into that sweet spot in his game, he had everything, like – he added something to his game every single summer. And just when he came, I remember he came back with a floater and he added that to his game. And me and my friends were talking, we're like, man, he Kobe, there's no way he can add anything to his game. Now he's got everything. That next year he came back with a floater with his left hand. Like, <laughs> like he just, 
It's like, man, do you know how hard it is to hit a left-handed floater? Like, Gary, <laughs> next time you go to the gym, just run and shoot a floater with your left hand in the middle of the lane. Uh, any of your call, any of your listeners, just shoot a floater with your off hand in the middle of the lane. Get bet money, y'all hit a kid that's sitting in the stands. <laughs> bet money. It's it's very hard to do. So Kobe Bryant was one of the few people that I said that I saw that listen when he got on a roll in his prime, there was nothing you could do about it. Yeah, with LeBron being at home for the postseason and Kevin Durant playing the way that he is, it's been stark. KD right now is taking that mantle as best player in the NBA, certainly best scorer. Because where he's scoring from, how he is scoring, who he's scoring against when it matters most has been incredible. And who knows what the Warriors would be without KD right now. I mean, certainly you've got guys like Curry and Clay that have to adapt around Kevin Durant. And if KD wasn't there, maybe they would be playing much differently. But it just feels like if you took Kevin Durant off of the Warriors, Golden State would be really vulnerable. To baseball, the first month of the season, one of the biggest moments was Tim Anderson of the Chicago White Sox flipping his bat aggressively and getting the ire of the Kansas City Royals. Once again, leading to the discussion, are baseball players allowed to have fun when they succeed? And do they need to be allowed even more leash for a younger generation to latch on to the game. Well, is Tim Anderson becoming a superstar for the White Sox? Out of nowhere, perhaps. Here's Bernstein and McKnight on the score in Chicago on whether Anderson can become a new face of MLB. The White Sox have a decision to make how hard they lean in from a marketing perspective. Do they say, this is the identity of our team, this is what we want, we're going to step out there? Because for a long time... Teams were loath to do it. Say, yeah, well, he's a he's a free spirited kid, and maybe some people liked it and some didn't. There is still, as much as we want to say that that the the game has has evolved, there is still a a well placed, well represented group of small c conservatives when it comes to baseball behavior. And I I, I don't mean to overlay that with and, no, no, no imbue this with anything. There's not more a political tinge to this. No, Just I meant, can't be. <laughs> I meant small c. Well, there there unfortunately there is there is something because of the fact that he's African American that changes the way everybody looks at it. You can't ignore. I mean that's that's it, fair. That's part of the, the whole elephant in the room thing. The Cubs have done it a little bit with Javier Baez. Because also the Cubs have won a World Series and things have been different. So do the White Sox embrace Tim Anderson as a tentpole of their identity? And the other question, if you are a White Sox fan, do you want that? Is that okay with you? Is that cool? I don't know a White Sox fan who is reticent to embrace Tim Anderson's success. I, I remember talking uh, about Tim quite a bit when he came up. I was there that season. It was about 20-something games in. Or, and, and just the his presence, the, the flash he brought. And, and not from not from a, a bat flip perspective, not from a celebratory perspective, but for the first time in a while, the White Sox suddenly had a guy that could go first to home real quick, a guy that would take bags, a guy that had the athleticism in the infield that looked impressive. And that was different. You know, I mean, he came up and it looked immediately different on the field. So while he's had his struggles offensively, to be sure, and he's had his strikeouts and he swings at a whole lot of baseballs, many other players do these days. His approach is a lot closer to Paul DeYoung's of the Cardinals, who, by the way, according to Fangraphs, is the best shortstop going right now. Tim Anderson is sixth. They're all bunched up there. DeYoung, Andrews, Baez, Semyon. That kind of production 
is pretty well known at this point. So I don't know a White Sox fan that would look at Tim Anderson's success and go, ah, well, again, but I'm not in for no, that. Separate, it's not his success. It's the sizzle. Mm-hmm. It's the showmanship. But Where some people find it arrogant, some people find it off-putting, some people may not. This look, as much as I like to think that everybody looks at the game the way I look at the game now, I know it's not true. Well, and this is where I think the White Sox fan base is in a really interesting place because you are finishing off, or hopefully trying to finish off this phase of the rebuild that you're moving on. That at some point, when Dylan Cease comes up this season, hopefully. That is your, here we go, let's go win some ball games. I would imagine that even those White Sox fans, and tell me if I'm wrong, Sox fans, but even those White Sox fans who are maybe on the fence about bat flips and, I don't know, showiness or joy or exhilarance when you're playing the game, even those are ready and willing to be swayed because this team is ready and close to turning a corner with Tim Anderson at the center of it. He's talked uh, quite a bit. Bruce had a sit down with him this over the weekend, like you mentioned, and he talked quite a bit about what it is to put some of this joy into the game and why he's playing uh, the way he plays. It's a long season, so, you know, I don't want it to be a long, boring season, so I try to do something interesting and, uh, you know, try to have a lot of fun. And, like, I think, I think the fans enjoy that. I think your message is fun, too, to a lot of people. Like, just be you. Yeah, definitely, man. We all human. You know, stop trying to, you know, I'm not trying to be somebody else. So why not just be myself and bring what I have to the game? And will you be willing to sustain it when this inevitably drops off? He's not a 171 weighted runs created plus player. He he doesn't walk. His on-base percentage is essentially his batting average. And if he has an outlier year, hits 310, whatever he does, it's will he sustain it? It's And you don't want to be Nick Swisher here. You don't want to be the guy oh who's, God, don't be Nick Swisher. who's all about that life when it's going good and then isn't when it's going bad. Tim is Tim is so grounded uh, in what it took for him to get to this level. At least that's how it seems to me. I think it'd be awesome if you had an organization like the White Sox who have not had success in a long time, who are the second team in town behind the Cubs, getting fully behind... An audacious, aggressive, personality-driven young star and saying, we want him to be out there. We want him to play with emotion. We want him to challenge convention. That would be so groundbreaking and the perfect spot for the White Sox. See, they're not bound by convention. They're not bound by history. They can go anywhere they want with Anderson. Let him be him. How cool would it be? If you had the team and the manager behind him saying, take chances, be daring, ruffle feathers, who cares? It'll bring fans into the stands. It'll sell a player to the city of Chicago. We want you to be you. That would be refreshing. In Kansas City, the Chiefs are wondering what life is going to be like without Kareem Hunt and Tyree Kill. Hunt in the offseason was let go by the Chiefs, picked up by the Cleveland Browns after domestic violence, after Violence against women in the lobby of a hotel. And now Tyree Kill under severe investigation surrounding possible abuse with his three-year-old son. The cops are looking into it. Police looking into it. And right now, he's not part of the organization. Most assume that the Chiefs will soon release their wide receiver. And what does that mean for a team that went to the AFC Championship game and with an eyelash of the Super Bowl? Here's Show and Vern on KCSP 610 Sports Radio in Kansas City. 
you got to be honest with yourself and acknowledge Tyreek was one of the five best wide receivers in the NFL. It is impossible. And I mean that. That's not just hyperbole. That's not sports radio. It, impossible to duplicate what you got from Tyreek Hill. It's impossible. And it's darn near impossible to duplicate what Kareem Hunt gave you for those first 11 weeks. Not only is it on Patrick Mahomes, you're 100% right, and, and, and you're right to hit him with the caveat of it's not about numbers. It's about decision-making as well. Um, not only is it on Pat, I, I'll go Andy as well, right? Those are the two guys that are different than anyone else in the league, right? No, no one has a Patrick Mahomes. Uh, no one has an Andy Reid. You can't be out-schemed. And, Pat, you can't be outplayed. Like, throwing up a goose egg against the New England Patriots in the first half of the playoff game, you can't overcome that. Um, Two interceptions in the first half of that game in Foxborough in the regular season, it's going to be very difficult to overcome that. Um, You're not going to have Tyreek to bail you out on that crazy, uh, what, third and fourth down play against the Baltimore Ravens that ended up helping them win the game having no real running game in that contest, that's not going. Tyreek's not going to be there to save the day. You're not going to be able to have as many turnovers against the Los Angeles Rams. You're not going to be able to be in that game. No, Andy Reid, Patrick Mahomes, the both of them, those are the only two guys that show I feel confident asking more out of. Because in my mind, Travis is who he is, the best tight end in the NFL. I don't know how much better he can and play. And he's so dependent on those two. Sammy Watkins, I don't know how much better he can play. So to me, as I look at the weapons that surround Andy and Pat, man, I'm expecting most of them to be about what they were last year. Maybe incremental growth, but nothing overly noticeable. Pat is about to be 24. I can expect him, it's crazy to say, but I can legitimately expect him to improve in the mental side of the game. Andy... Andy appears to improve every single season when it comes to game planning and game calling, I should say. So I expect him to improve as well. The pressure's on Pat and Andy to make up for the loss of a top five wide receiver and a top five running back. Yeah, it's just going to be more difficult. And we're talking about not from the standpoint of winning the division or not from the standpoint of making the playoffs. No, to get and win a Super Bowl, right, right. It's got like he's got to pick it up because life is just going to be much more difficult. You've got now seventeen to nineteen tapes of game film that these defensive coordinators are going to have, and literally, man, we saw how different it was when when Kareem was gone. Right. We saw how different it was when Tyreek was limited, when, when the Ravens didn't have to double him every time. Like it's just going to be different because he's going to have rookies. He's going to have young guys that he's got to make better. As you said, some of these guys might might play the same way. No, Demarcus Robinson is going to have to be better, not just because of Demarcus Robinson, but Pat's got to throw him open. Like it, it, Williams has got to be better because Pat's getting you down the field, and he's got to make the transition for Miko Hardman better because of Pat. As great as Mahomes is, as great as Andy Reid is, assuming that there will not be an offensive drop-off, when you lose your leading rusher and your big-time wide receiver the same offseason is crazy. Now, I know that they ended the regular season without Hunt 
And they went into the postseason, won a playoff game without Hunt, nearly won two, nearly got to a Super Bowl without him. But those are two big-time players. And to take those weapons away from a home, specifically Tyreek Hill, is a big deal. And suggesting otherwise is whistling past the graveyard. Mahomes can make a lot of guys look really good, and so can Andy Reid, one of the best schemers in football. But let's not make the mistake of discounting what type of explosive player Tyreek Hill really was. That is going to be a loss if they end up releasing him, no doubt about it. And finally, happiness and harmony in Sports Talk Radio. On WFAN in New York, everything is great. Hosts love one another. Shows work well together, dovetailing together for a strong sports radio backbone. Well, maybe not. Here's Mike Francesa, who hosts the afternoon show, calling up the morning show his colleagues Boomer and Geo, who he feels is misrepresenting his opinions on WFAN in New York. Now, about the young player who was shot, you didn't say that I opened up my comment with, this could happen to any player on any team in any organization, any organization in any sport or anywhere in life. And if it turns out that he was in the wrong place or was doing something wrong, it, Giants will look embarrassed because they made such an issue of character. I said, if. I said, we have no facts. I've been trying to get facts. We don't have any facts. That's how I opened it up. How about you guys mentioning that before killing me for what I said? How, how, how are the Giants the laughing stock of the league right now? Because of the fact that this whole idea that they came out with a gentleman for two months told people, and he did leak to people, which I know, that he was taking two defensive players and then changed his mind, which he had every right to do. But the other point is they have been back and forth between rebuilding, not rebuilding, rebuilding, not rebuilding. It's gotten stupid. And it got to the point of ridiculousness with bringing this quarterback in. They shouldn't have Eli on the team now. They should start this kid from day one and move on because they're a bad team. And they don't use their assets correctly. Number two, he created this whole ridiculous scenario that everyone was making fun of him. Go look at the Rex Ryan tape on TV of saying he knew that there were two teams that were going to take Jones when they can't find anybody who was going to take Jones. Why bother? Just say, this is my pick and move on. He spent two days trying to justify it, and everyone's been making fun of him everywhere in the country. That's what I'm talking about. Well, I guess with the Ballantyne stuff, though, Mike, why would you even bring up that other side of it? Like the Giants are going to – does it, What I said was the Giants went out to stress that we were bringing in the right guys. We didn't have the right guys before. I said – this can be very iffy if it proves that this kid was something doing something wrong or was in the wrong place. It's going to make the Giants look very bad. I said if we have no information. Okay, and that's I mean how I just I opened it okay. up. Okay, all right, and 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 that part I did not hear. I will I will admit oh, it's that. You heard part of it, but didn't hit a whole thing. Well, I, I mean I think we've all been accused of that at some point. But I just I guess my contention would be that the if part is just unnecessary to even bring no, that up when we don't have the information. Fine, you do your show, I'll do mine. Okay. All, okay, fine. All right. I mean I I, I but don't. If you're going to quote me. Quote me correctly. All right, all right. You but, spend but enough the time part talking about me, and but, you spend enough time talking about me, tough time imitating me. At least get it right, okay? All right, all right. Oh, okay. But the stuff that that we said that you said, you did say though, right? Yeah, except you took it completely out of context and did give me the whole how, quote. I don't Why don't you say the whole thing? If you heard it, you heard it properly. Okay. If you didn't hear it, then you're making it up. 
No, but we didn't make it up. We quoted what you said. No, the way you said it, you made me look like I completely slaughtered them and said there wasn't a chance that they didn't do anything wrong, which I said exactly at the open. Uh, you said the Giants were the laughing stock of the league, and they're sad. That's what they you are. said. They have been for years, and, you, and, and I, I follow them I, daily, day in, day out, and I said this to the owner. I've said it to him three years ago. Hmm. They haven't made a right decision in five years. Look at them. Look at their record. You don't have they to tell us. We sit here every morning with, talking about with it. That quarterback, they should have been out of this trouble three years ago. So the Giants, just to, just to be clear, so the Giants are upset with you because you went public with the, the Eli they stuff? they gave information to us telling us that Eli was canceling his show and because he did not want to be the, on the show as a backup was what he was afraid of. And I've gotten that from also some other source. So I, that was backed up by the Giants. Who, who I was told that by Mark Chernoff last Monday, both things. And I went up with it before the draft, which infuriated the Giants. All right. All right. Bye, guys. All right. As much as you may dislike your coworker, as much as you might be annoyed by the person across the cubicle from you, just remember... You clearly don't like those people nearly as much as WFAN apparently dislikes one another. <sighs> That'll do it for us. The best of your sports talk for April the 30th. It's a Tuesday. We'll see you tomorrow, everyone. Thanks for listening to Around the Dial. Subscribe now for the best daily recap in sports talk on Radio.com or the Radio.com app. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.